Hello, I want to welcome you to the Point Church Alberta Campus Sunday Preaching Podcast. My name is Josh Heisler and I'm the Alberta Campus Pastor. We strongly believe in the expositional preaching of God's Word, which works to build our faith and grow us up in Christ. Our prayer is that this message will be a help to you on your journey of faith. Now join us as we get to the point. If you all have your Bibles, I hope that you do. Would you open them up to the Gospel of Luke? The Gospel of Luke, and we're going to go to chapter 2, which is where we were on Friday. If you don't have a Bible, grab one of those hardback black Bibles from under your chair. If you're using one of those, you want to turn to page 857. We are going to be in Luke chapter 2, picking up where we left off on Friday night. Over the last five gatherings that we've had together, we have been celebrating Advent. We've been celebrating the coming of Jesus to earth to live among us. And as we've celebrated and talked about Advent, we've been talking about hope. We've been talking about love. We've been talking about joy and peace, all of which we find in Christ. For the last month, together we have been celebrating this holiday that all leads us up to Christmas. And then all in one day, it's over. Christmas is behind us. It's the day after Christmas. And I don't know about you, but there always seems to be this point. Yesterday, for me, it came probably about three o'clock in the afternoon where this just kind of very mild sense of disappointment, letdown. I don't know how to describe it. It just kind of sinks in. We have all of this buildup, all of this expectation. The day comes and usually it's a good day. Yesterday for us was a great day. Usually it's a day of celebration. It's a day where where we spend time with friends or family. It's a day where we eat really good food, where we exchange gifts. Usually it's a great day, but all of that comes and goes. And in one day, Christmas is over. But as we come to the day after Christmas today and and this mild sense of letdown, maybe it sinks in in us as, as we've sung the songs, as we've read the story, as we've celebrated the birth of Christ, and, and it's all coming to an end today on the day after Christmas, I want you to remember that the story isn't over. The story continues on. We haven't come to the end of our hope or, or our love or our joy or the, the peace that we celebrate at Advent, it has only just begun because the story continues. And so today, we're going to see that as we see the story continue. We're going to pick up, like I said, from where we left off on Christmas Eve in the story of Jesus's arrival here on earth. And as we look at this, what I want you to see is that after Christmas, the promise endures. We continue on. We continue going forward. So let's just dive in. Luke chapter 2, starting right where we left off at verse 21. Hear the word of the Lord. And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord as it is written in the law of the Lord. Every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer sacrifices according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, watching or waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ, and he came in the Spirit to the temple. 
And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace. For according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all people a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also so that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. Over in the first Peter, we read that the grass withers, that the flower falls, but that the word of the Lord remains forever. And this is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Lord God, as we dive into this text that... Sometimes we don't look at after Christmas. Sometimes we, we only see it maybe in Sunday school growing up as kids. God, as we look at this text about what happened in the days following your entrance into the world, I ask that you would speak to our hearts today. That we would hear a fresh word, a, a fresh reminder that, that although our celebration of Christmas has come to an end, the story that you began that first Christmas continues and that your promise endures for us. God, would you speak to us, encourage us, and empower us to live for you as we see this, that, that we would take what we're going to see today and that we would put it into action in our lives to make much of your name in all that we do. We love you, Lord Jesus. We thank you for this time that you've given us this morning, and we're expectantly looking to see you work in us. It's in your beautiful name that we pray. Amen. One of my favorite movies of all time has got to be the movie Back to the Future. It's a great movie. It is a great movie. Uh, and the climax of that movie comes at the very end, which is where a climax usually happens. But, but it happens in Hill Valley, California, which is a fictional town, on November 12th, 1955. Now, I'm sure most of you all have seen Back to the Future. If you haven't, you've had 36 years, so I'm sorry. I'm going to throw spoilers out there. That's your fault, not mine. Okay, but, but just to get you up to speed, the, the climax of the movie, the whole movie builds around this, this idea of there's this young guy named Marty McFly, and, and through a series of un, unforeseen events, Marty accidentally travels back in time 30 years to 1955 in a, in a time machine that was built out of a DeLorean, of all things, and, and he's trapped there. The time machine was designed by Doc Brown, who had designed it to run off of 1.21 gigawatts of electricity. You guys remember the line, right? Um, and, and to power it, to generate that electricity, he used plutonium that he'd stolen from some Libyan terrorists. And when Marty gets back to 1955, that plutonium wasn't available, and so he's trapped. Marty, trapped in 1955, goes and finds the younger Doc Brown to help him figure out how to get back to 1985, and he also meets his parents, and, and he works to ensure that they end up together, and, and so after that has, has come, we still have this problem of he is stuck in 1955, but he wants to get back to 1985. 
They don't have plutonium available. So, so Marty remembers that he'd received this flyer saying that on November 12th, 1955, at exactly 10.04 p.m., lightning was going to strike the clock tower. And, and, and if there was a way, they, maybe they could catch that lightning and funnel it to the car and get him back to 1955. So Doc Brown comes up with a plan. He sets up a rig, and, and we come to the night where the climax of that, that movie happens. So he gets up there, it's, the time is approaching 10.04 p.m. Marty is in the car racing toward the, the wire that's been run across the street and up to the clock tower. Doc Brown is up on the clock tower because the, a tree branch had fallen in this raging storm and knocked down the wire and he needs to reconnect the wire. And right as the car is about to strike the, the wire that's crossing the street, Doc connects the wire, lightning strikes the clock tower, it runs down the wire across the street, the car hits it at 88 miles per hour and goes back to 1985. Back in 1985, Marty discovers that Doc Brown has managed to survive the shootout with the Libyan terrorists. He's still alive. He goes back to his house. His parents are together and happy and thriving. His his siblings aren't in trouble anymore. They're doing well. And the bad guy, Biff Tannen, works for mom and dad. He discovers that his girlfriend, Jennifer, is waiting for their big trip up to the lake, which now that I say that, like that was inappropriate, but whatever. Um, all, of the, all of the conflict has been resolved. Like everything's done at this point, and, and at, it's right then that we expect the movie to be over. You expect the credits to roll. And right as that happens, you hear this flash in the background, and the DeLorean comes crashing into Marty's driveway. Doc Brown jumps out of the DeLorean dressed in futuristic clothing and he tells Marty and Jennifer how they need to get in the car quickly and come back with him back to the future. They get in the car. They back out into the street. Doc makes that awesome line, roads, where we're going. We don't need roads. The car converts into a flying car. It flashes out. You hear them flash forward to 2015, which was six years ago, which makes me feel old. And and then the movie is over. Now, thanks to the Mandela effect, most of us who have seen this movie remember that at the end of Back to the Future, right before the credits roll, right after that scene, you see a to be continued, right? But that's not there. That's not in that first movie. Back to the Future was originally written as one movie, not three. And even if you haven't seen parts two and three, and all y'all are going to go home and watch them now, I know. But even if you haven't seen parts two and parts three, you know, based on how that story ends at the end of Back to the Future, that the story's not over, that there's more to be told. And today, on the day after Christmas, as we're looking at this text, I want you to see that the same thing is true for us. The story is not over. It's going to keep on going. The promise that was fulfilled in Christ's birth on that first Christmas, it endures. And as we continue in this story, we're going to see exactly that. That first Christmas was an extraordinary event. We talked about that on Friday night, if you were here with us, right? Mary and and Joseph and, and baby Jesus are all there. The, the angels appeared out in the fields and the, they appeared to these shepherds and they announced Jesus's birth. They led those shepherds to find the baby Jesus. And, and after they had told Mary and Joseph everything that had happened, everything that they'd seen and heard, they left worshiping God. One extraordinary day. But as the story continues, we see a return from the extraordinary back to the ordinary. Life goes back to normal for these people. 
And we see that in verses 21 through 24. Take a look at this. Luke says that at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice, according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. This is a return to everyday life right here. This is a return back to what had been going on before all that magnificent stuff had happened. They have this one magnificent supernatural event occur in their lives. Mary gives birth to a child who is conceived by the Holy Spirit. Angels announce his arrival on earth. But once that had happened, they returned to ordinary life. And what should stand out to us as we look at this is that in their return to the ordinary, Mary and Joseph lived lives of obedience toward God. Like they have this awesome thing happen and they still are obedient to God. Don't pass over that. They named Jesus just as they had been instructed by the angel. They had him circumcised on the eighth day in accordance with the law. Jesus was presented at the temple in accordance with the law. Mary provided purification offerings in accordance with the law. The extraordinary events that had happened in their lives, that had happened all around them, they they didn't negate their need for obedience to God. And as we're walking out of Christmas, we, we need to remember that the same thing is true for us. As, as this Advent season comes to a close, we need to remember that, that we still have to be obedient toward God. Sometimes God does some pretty incredible things in our lives, and, and sometimes we forget that obedience is the natural outflow out of that. I think back to some of the, the church summer cramp camps I experienced growing up. If, if, if you grew up in the church, you know what I'm talking about. Those were some awesome experiences. You, you get away with a bunch of Christian friends and you have this awesome week where you're growing closer to God. And then after that week is over, you come home and you're just like on fire for God. But if you're anything like me, what, what you found is, is that as you came home from that camp and you returned back to ordinary life, the, the obedience that, that should have been stirred up in your heart as you went through all of that, it never really manifests itself. And pretty quickly, before long, you, you get to this point where, where that, that on fire for Jesus thing that was going on just sort of fizzles out. God works in our lives, but that doesn't change our need for the basics. And that's what I want you to get out of this first chunk of the text. Mary and Joseph, they returned to their ordinary lives, but, but they returned in obedience. And maybe as we've been walking through this Advent season together, God has, has been doing some extraordinary things in your life. Maybe um, what I'd like you to see is maybe that as you've experienced some of the hope that we find in Christ in a new and fresh way, maybe as, as you've found yourself being drawn closer to God as we've talked about his love for us and what that love looks like and how it works itself out in our lives, maybe if you've experienced some of the joy that we find at, in Christ and Christ alone, maybe if you've, you've tasted some of the peace that Ricky was talking about last Sunday, Maybe if you've experienced God working in your life over the last month that we've been gathering together, there, what I want you to see, there, there's this temptation to just say, yeah, that was great, and then just go back to ordinary. But what I want you to see, it, what I want you to be encouraged by is, is that when we experience these awesome things in our lives that God does, that should lead us 
into obedience. A return to the ordinary doesn't mean a return to what we were before God worked in our lives. And we need to remember that. In fact, just the opposite is the case. Because as we keep moving in this text, as we see that the story didn't end on that first Christmas day, I want you to see that in a return to the ordinary, there are a few things that ought to continue. And the first is that in the return to the ordinary, we continue to praise God. We continue to make much of God. Look at the text again, beginning at verse 25. Luke tells us, now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. And his father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Now, I want to stop right there for for just a minute because what we're seeing here in this event that happened 40 days after Jesus is born, he's still little tiny baby Jesus. He's 40 days old. They've traveled from Bethlehem down to Jerusalem to, to do what was called for in the law. But what we're seeing here is this man, Simeon, praising God. And what should stand out to us is the reason why he's praising God. He's praising God because God has kept his promises. God has done what he promised he would do. Now, we don't know much about Simeon except what Luke tells us here. He was righteous and devout. He was a faithful follower of God. He faithfully looked forward to God fulfilling his promise to bring the Messiah. And this praise that we see here is a result of all of that anticipation that he had. He knew God's promises, and now he's seen them fulfilled, and he's praising God because of it. It springs forth because God kept his promise to Simeon that he would not die before he saw his Christ. He's praising God because he has seen the salvation that God promised he would provide. But do you see how he's not just praising God because he's seen his own salvation? He's not just praising God because he's seen the salvation for Israel. He's praising God because he's seen salvation for everyone. This is the Messiah for everyone. And so Simeon praises God because God keeps his promises. As we walk out of this season of Advent and into this next season that God is leading us into, as we begin this new year, we want to continue to praise God because the promise that was fulfilled at Jesus' birth endures. It continues to move forward. Jesus was the fulfillment of God's promise. And so as we walk into a new year, we continue to celebrate. We, we serve a God who stepped down from heaven and came to live among us. We celebrate that all throughout the year. We praise God for that. We serve a God who entered our world, who put on flesh, who lived among us and died on a cross for our sin. We serve a God who sent his son to ransom us to himself. And he's continuing to do that to this day. The story continues all the way until today. The story didn't end on that first Christmas. It doesn't end with Advent celebrations that we have each year. It doesn't end as we celebrate Christmas each year. The story continues. And as Luke keeps telling us what happened, Simeon turns from praise into prophecy. And 
And this prophecy really just emphasizes that Jesus actually is the Messiah. He is the Christ, the anointed of God who's come to save sinners. Take a look, starting at verse 34, Luke says, And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Jesus is the Messiah promised by the prophets. He is the reason for praising God. And the Messiah, as the Messiah, he's going to raise to eternal life those who believe. That's a promise that we can embrace. We should embrace that promise. If you believe, you will be saved. That's what he's saying here. But, but for those who do not believe, Simeon says, they will fall. And that's a warning that we need to hear. It should give us a sense of urgency to tell people about Jesus, to help them see this. But Jesus is going to expose the hearts of people for what they really are. That's the other aspect of this prophecy right here. That's part of his mission. He's gonna help people see that that either you're following after him or you're not. And, And sometimes it can be easy to be deceived. It can be easy to play like you're a Christian and and not actually follow Christ. But he's going to divide people so that that you can see it. And the mission that he's going to live on, the mission that, that Simeon is prophesying about here right now, it is a mission that while it will bring a lot of joy, is also going to bring pain and suffering. He's going to bring pain and suffering for Mary and also for Jesus. That's what Simeon's prophecy is telling us, but Here's the thing about that prophecy. It's simply a a reiteration of what he has already said. It's simply reiterating what, what many prophets hundreds of years before Jesus said the Messiah would do. He's saying it again. And, And so what I want you to see here is that God's promise endures. As we come out of Advent, as we close out the Christmas season and we return to the ordinary, we're all going to go back to work after, I think many will, will go back tomorrow, some will go back in a week, but as we go back to ordinary life, whenever that is, the promise endures. And it's not just praise that, that's going to continue as we keep in mind that that promise endures. Because I don't think that you can talk about Jesus. I don't think you can spend all of this time celebrating that he came to earth to live among us in order to reconcile us to himself. I don't think we can do that and not have a heart of thankfulness and not be thankful for what he's done. As we begin this new year, the thankfulness that we experience as we celebrate Advent needs to continue with us. It should endure too. And as that thankfulness endures, it should overflow into a heart that shares what we've received. That's exactly what happens here at the temple that day with Jesus. As all of this is going on, beginning at verse 36, Luke tells us about this prophetess, Anna, and and how she thanks God, and then she starts talking about what God had done. Take a look at this, beginning at verse 36. It says, and there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher, She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day, and coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. Like Simeon, we don't know much about Anna except what Luke tells us here. 
There's just not much to know. After seven years of marriage, she was widowed. And from that day until she's 84 years old, she spent her days worshiping God at the temple, praying, fasting, making much of God. Her days were lived at the temple. But on this day, as Jesus is brought to the temple, as Mary and Joseph are offering the five shekels to redeem him as the firstborn of their family, which was what was required in the laws, as all of that's happening, and Simeon takes this child up and is praising God because of him. As that's happening, Anna looks up, she sees Jesus, and she gives thanks. Her response to seeing this promised Messiah coming is thankfulness. But it isn't just a response of thankfulness that that she keeps to herself. She doesn't just have this great emotion and just kind of keep it to herself and not share it with anyone. No. Do you see that her, her thankfulness causes her to act? Luke tells us that she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Israel. For everybody who is looking forward to the coming Messiah, she starts talking about how God has kept his promise. That thankfulness that Anna had led her to talk about God and what God had done. It led her to open up her mouth and talk about the good news that she has witnessed with her own eyes. And as we end our celebration of Advent, it's over after today. As we move into a new year, that should happen for us as well. As we experience this thankfulness, as we celebrate that Jesus has come, that that he has paid the price for our sin, that he's done everything necessary to reconcile us to God. As we experience that and we celebrate that and, and we're thankful for that, we don't just have this grateful heart that we keep to ourselves. No. We do what Anna did. We start talking about Jesus. And we do that because that's the natural overflow of a thankful heart. That's what happens when you're thankful. When you're thankful, you talk about things. And every parent in the room knows what I'm talking about right now. Like every single one of us kids, how many of y'all got a gift yesterday? Kids with your hands still raised, how many of y'all have been talking about the gifts that you received? Look around, parents. Parents, you've experienced it, right? You put your hands down. Why do you do that? Why do we talk about these gifts that we received? Because we're happy we got them. Because we're thankful that we got them. And so the natural overflow of that is we start talking about it. But we have been celebrating the reception of the greatest gift of all. And so what I want you to see here is that the same thing should happen when we're talking about Jesus. We receive the greatest gift of all, Jesus Christ, God, who puts on flesh and he comes and lives among us. And the result of receiving that gift is that we talk about him. We tell anybody who will listen about this awesome gift that we have received. That's what we're seeing right here. That's why we exist as a church. We exist to be disciples who make disciples. If you're a regular attender or member of the Point Church, we talk about this all the time. We end our services with the Great Commission every week because this church doesn't exist for this. We exist so that we can go out and tell people about Jesus. And so my challenge for you today, as we begin this new year, is to be a people who talk about gifts that we've received. Just take that natural impulse and use it. Follow it. 
It's the day after Christmas, but the story of Christmas is not over. We haven't come to the end of the hope, the love, the joy, the peace that we celebrate at Advent. It's, it's only just begun. So as we head into this new year, as we go back to the ordinary, let's be a people who are thankful, who are thankful that we serve a God who keeps his promises. And let's let that thanks translate into obedience where we serve God as he's called us to. Let's let that thankfulness overflow out of us so that we tell people about the things for which we're thankful. Namely, Jesus Christ, who we celebrated yesterday and Friday and the entire month of December. That's what we do after Christmas, and we do that because the promise endures. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast from The Point Church. If you would like more information about our church, or if you have any questions, you can find us online at tothepoint.church.